we welcome you to another edition of Being Well Informed. My name is Claudia Barber. I am your podcast host, and we are delighted to provide you with another edition of Being Well Informed. And uh, today we have a very, very interesting and uh, wonderful uh, guest with us in the person of Stephen Wilson of the Republican Party. Welcome to Being Well Informed. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. I appreciate the invite. Yes, our topic of discussion really deals with an editorial recently written uh, by you uh, that appeared in the Baltimore Sun, the Republican Party, more than book banning and conspiracy theories. Welcome to our program. And um, please share with us what uh, led you to kind of uh, uh, go in that direction in terms of, of an editorial. Well, I've been uh, I've been active with the Howard County Republican Central Committee for four years. Um, I am a very much a, a moderate Republican, um, a, a, a kind of in the mold of our of our former governor Larry Hogan, I think. Um, and I just uh, recently we had a we had a shakeup, and a lot of people don't know what the Central Committee even is. It's it's a group in Howard County of nine people who are elected and they're elected during the gubernatorial primary uh, mm -hmm. by the voters of that party. So uh, in this last primary, we had nine new people elected. I was one of them. I was one of, uh, I think, two voted to, to, to stay uh, to keep our seats. And um, I had been chair. And my administration, if you want to call it that, my goal all along in my activities was to say the Republican Party can still be, can still reach out to the center. We are outnumbered now in Howard County by unaffiliated voters. And that means a lot. Yeah, uh, we are outnumbered. We are the, we are the number three party in Howard County. Howard County I, Maryland. Yep. And, and I don't believe we can fix that by doubling down and saying, we've got to be pure in our conservatism. We, we've got to uh, stick to just traditional right-wing values. I think we need to listen. I think we need to, to reach across the aisle. And I, need, I think we need to look at a, a success like, like Larry Hogan and like Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford and say, what was it about them that made Democrats support them because Democrats did and unaffiliated voters did? Um, so you, do you think that the Republican Party in Maryland is... Uh, drawing more independent voters? I do not. Not at this time, no. Uh, I, I think we have. But at this point, I think the last election shows that uh, in Howard County, in Maryland, my home county, we got one candidate elected. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we ran many candidates. And, and that says to me, the unaffiliated did not turn out for our candidates. Um, and, and, and we see the numbers, we see people leaving the party. We see the unaffiliated going up. We see the Republican numbers going down. So no, I don't think we're winning that battle right now. And I think we have to, if we're going to be relevant. So if you're going to be relevant, what changes do you think should be made? Um, I think we need to focus on what matters to the largest number of people, what is important to the most voters. 
And I think a lot of candidates want to focus on the big national issues and the big divisive issues because that is what gets them elected. And I don't think that's a winning strategy locally. I think politics should be local. And I think if I'm going to run for county council or county executive or a, a delegate from Howard County, Maryland, I should represent the voters of Howard County, Maryland. And I need to speak to the issues that are important to them. Um, and, you know, and that's issues like, of course, the schools. That's why people move to Howard County. Mm -hmm. uh, the cost of living, the taxes, public safety. There are things that matter to all of us. Our infrastructure, <laughs> our roads, mm -hmm. our buildings, right. those right. matter to all of us. Democrats and Republicans equally. For sure. Yes. Yes. So Howard County right now, uh, you have a Democratic uh, county executive uh, and uh, Democratic uh, state's attorney. So, well, Maryland is kind of a, a, a state that, that tends to be leaning Democratic more than Republican. Is this the type of, um, of a system where it's two party rule is just just there to stay. Well, I don't think we have two party rule right, right now, unfortunately. There's <laughs> a green party in Maryland. There's yeah. that. <laughs> and I, I think that's I think that's terrible. Um, but we 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 are still a democracy. We are still uh, you know controlled by voters. Um, although, you know, you can have conversations about what special interests are in there. In Howard County, we talk a lot about the developers and the money they're pouring into our campaigns. Um, so um, is two-party rule here to stay? Probably. But mm. is Democrat-Republican rule here to stay? I'm starting to think less and less. Mm -hmm. And my old line Republican friends say, oh, the Republican Party's not going anywhere. And I thought, you know, I bet a lot of Whigs said that in the 1850s. Mm -hmm. And they got replaced by the Republicans because the Republicans embraced an issue that was huge and not getting addressed. And of course, that was that was slavery. So the the stance of the Republican Party now, it's uh, known for book banning initiatives. It's known for um, anti an anti-abortion stance. So those are national issues. Do you do you think they have some some leverage locally? Uh, abortion, I don't think so because I think Maryland's abortion laws are are pretty clear, um, I, and I don't think they're going anywhere. I don't see championing abortion as a cause to be useful. I myself am pro-choice, also, so mm -hmm. I know that's unusual for for Republicans, but I am. Uh, that's my ethical stance. And so I don't consider abortion a, a relevant issue for Howard County or for Maryland politicians. Mm -hmm. What we're calling book banning, which is, of course, the debate over what books are on particularly school library shelves and public library shelves. Um, I, I think those discussions are relevant, or, or rather, the root of those discussions is relevant. The the taking the books off the shelves that don't approve of because I don't believe in silencing anybody's voice. I believe in giving everybody their voice and letting them speak. So uh, if you have a problem with the books that are on your library shelves, I think your first question should be, are these, 
are are kids being offered a balanced view. So one of the books at issue is Gender Queer by Maya Kababe. I've read it. I have great sympathy for Maya. I think it, it it's their story. They tell their story. Why why shouldn't they? Uh, is it appropriate for my seven-year-old grandson? No, I'm not going to say, hey, you should read this book. But would I want a teenager to read it? Yes, if they were interested in the topic. Uh, I think there's a lot of a lot of good information there. But if if someone says to me, I want there also to be material about the long-term effects of puberty blockers, uh, the, 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 the health risks of binding, I would say, yeah, I agree with you. Those should be there too. So... Um, I think it's 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 relevant to say our library materials, our curricula should be discussed by our parents and they should take an active part in shaping them. Um, so, yeah, that, that is an important issue, I think. So that that becomes a school board issue that often becomes, however, a segment of the Republican uh, Party uh, Moms for Liberty and the work that they do. Uh, tends to address these issues, but nationwide it has taken on banning more than just LGBTQ queer books, but goes into the realm of how slavery is taught, goes into the realm of uh, such books as the new Jim Crow and the banning of those types of books. So that tends to me to be more... um, Republican involved in uh, government and curriculum. Yeah. And I think, um, again, I don't approve. Silencing people is not the answer. Mm -hmm. If you think there's another piece of the story, if you think the new Jim Crow is inaccurate or or dishonest, I haven't read it, so I I, I don't know what I would think of it. But um, if you think there's a problem with the way it presents its case, then present your own case. But silencing anyone is not an answer, and I don't think that's what we should be about. Um, Moms for Liberty is a relatively new organization in Howard County. Uh, There are some people involved in it that I respect, uh, but I don't really know what their goals are yet in Howard County and what they're going to try to do. So tell us about your work and the Republican Central Committee and um, how it has shaped uh, politics in in the area. Well, I think what we tried to accomplish as a committee when I was chair, uh, and and they're not my accomplishments, they're the team's accomplishments. What we tried to accomplish was first uh, uniting division. And my approach to uniting division is not to say, we're going to do it this way and y'all have to follow and you're not allowed to criticize me because I'm a fellow Republican. My approach is to say, could we stop shouting? Because when I took over, we were shouting. Could we stop shouting? Could we take turns? Could we be civil? And we could all, could we all listen to each other? Um, one of the big things I I was starting to do was use website our website and and social media to track legislation to talk about what's actually happening in our government and to encourage voters to have a voice in that to testify uh, to know where to go to to read the bill. Uh, we were trying to collect analyses of proposed legislation uh, from from elected officials, from knowledgeable knowledgeable members of the party. Um, so I, I wanted to educate the voters, um, and of course, we did what central committees do: we raise money, 
we we recruited candidates we 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 worked with candidates we had, we had great candidates um i'm so sad alan kittleman's not in office Euripsy morgan's not in office uh, guy named bill campbell very knowledgeable about budgeting and education i wish he'd made county council but um i i think the effect we had during my time was incremental and i fear that if we start highlighting book banning and election conspiracies we're going to lose that progress. Well, politics tends to change in, in various jurisdictions because you can bring in unaffiliated voters at any time uh, to uh, persuade them on your whatever, uh, whatever initiatives that you have going on. So uh, what makes today's Republican Party not the party of Lincoln? I think I think it's a lot of the same things that for me make today's Democratic Party not the party of Jefferson. And that is um, that we are more interested in having a win for the team. We're more interested in personal aggrandizement than we're more interested in party loyalty than voter loyalty. We're looking out for an organization and, and it's not the United States of America. And we should be protecting and 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 nurturing our voters, not our party. So, what has defined the Republican Party over the past? Let's go back five years. At different levels, different things. Uh, <clears throat> for me, uh, what what made me want to be involved in the Republican Party? I was a registered Republican, but I didn't always vote Republican. Uh, what made me want to be involved was the leadership in Howard County of Alan Kittleman as our executive. Uh, I worked for him. I was uh, a part of the fire department's leadership team until I retired. And he was a great boss. Uh, he was caring. He was compassionate. And he was he was moderate. Um, so that made me excited to say, hey, politics can be honest and decent. And I want to continue this. Um for me, the Republican Party in Maryland was Larry Hogan and Boyd Rutherford and, and building consensus. Unfortunately, the election of Donald Trump in 2016, the national image of the Republican Party started to creep in and people looked at us as, well, you're Republicans, so no matter what you do and what you believe, you're a Donald Trump supporter. Yeah, in other words, we're not listening. We're we're tuning you out, or or right. that we're, we're, we see the label and we're done here. And my feeling is we can't be effective if that happens. So either we we change the focus, we reclaim the the image, <clears throat> excuse me, the image, and we open people's minds and hearts to us, or something else has to happen. We can't be the second party anymore if we can't do that. So I was shocked to read your editorial in the, well, not, I guess I shouldn't say the word shocked. I guess should, should, um, the, the proper verbiage is, um, I was, uh, it, it was an eye opener. Uh, the title of, or caption of your editorial was the Republican party should stand for more than conspiracy theories and banning school books. So when 
that title catches your attention, you're thinking that this person is about normalcy. <laughs> well, I hope so. Uh, and, okay, I, I didn't pick that title, by the way. The son picked that title, but oh, okay. Uh, I, I just sent them the uh, I just sent them the op-ed, but um, but I, I think that was one of the important points I made. That was kind of the closer of of, of what I said. Um, but to me, and I've had a few people say to me, why would you do that? Why would you talk about business in public? Why would you criticize your party? Ronald Reagan said the 11th commandment was never criticize a fellow Republican. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and I say, well, a lot, lot, long time before Ronald Reagan was born, we wrote a document that says it is our right and our duty to criticize our leaders. Mm. Um, if I, if you won't listen to me in private, and I think the matter is important to more than you and me, I'm going to have to speak in public. So um, really, my point there was, please wake up. Please, please see that we're failing. And people get hurt if we fail. And I don't want that to happen. When you were elected chair of the Republican Central Committee of Howard County, what were your signature accomplishments? If you were uh, I would say very much what I, what I went over a little earlier, and that was one of the big ones was um, was uniting a, 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 a divergent group, being able to work with moderate Republicans and hardline conservatives, um, making making the central committee very participatory, inviting people to come to our meetings, join our subcommittees, work on our initiatives, whether they were elected or not, they could serve. Um, we did, we did training opportunities for volunteers. We did training for new candidates. Uh, and of course, as I said, the, 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 the legislative education was very important to me. I wanted voters to know what's going on because too much happens in silence. Too much happens when the voters say, wait, when did we pass that law? When you said the rule of law is not a distraction. And if you don't have the rule of law, you have tyranny. Has that happened? I don't think it has happened. That was a very cautionary statement on my part um, because some of my colleagues, uh, when I would say, this is an important issue and let's talk about it, would say, we've got so much business to transact. We're so busy. Let's, let's not talk about that now. And I'm like, but wait, I think we're getting off track. Um, I, I think the laws that govern us are there for a reason, to make sure everybody gets a voice to make sure we maintain our, our ethics and our integrity, you can't put them aside. So that was, I don't think we are at the point of tyranny, but that's what it can devolve into. So would you rec recognize or say that there might be splinters or, or factions in the local GOP that have different or conflicting platforms? Oh yes, very much so. Um, definitely splinters. Um, uh, Donald Trump, has been a very divisive figure. There are a lot of Republicans who absolutely love him and want to follow him. There are a lot of Republicans who say, no, that's not what our party's about. Uh, and I don't think there's any re reconciliation of those, those two points of view. Uh, Governor Hogan, uh, as much as I admire him, as popular as he was throughout the state and on a nationwide level, a lot of Republicans were very vocal decrying Governor Hogan. Um, and then in our primary, I just saw it in our primary between support for Kelly Schultz and support for Dan Cox mm -hmm. as gubernatorial candidates. Um, 
we were very, very divided about that. And there was hostility. Mm. So then what about this whole no labels uh, campaign uh, that is emerging or as a discussion, at least uh, from uh, former Governor Larry Hogan? Uh, I'm very interested in it. I've, I've joined their mailing list and, I, and I'm reading up on what they're saying. Uh, I think it's I think it's a great idea. I think it's where we need to go. Um, and I think he's just continuing to show why he was so popular as a Republican candidate in an often blue state. You also wrote in your editorial, the only way to get the supermajority to focus on our shared concerns is to break the supermajority and restore the balance we have lost. What does that look like? I think it looks like exactly what we, they're trying with no labels. Politics being less partisan, and if they're less partisan, I think they're more honest. Uh, it means voters voting for the, the candidate as a, as a competent individual and the issues that that candidate is standing for instead of the D or the R. Um, I think if we get more of a balance between Democrats and Republicans in our legislature and our government overall, we'll be getting better. But I also think probably we need to see some third party or some unaffiliated people take office um, mm. because they they if if they are a thirty percent of the population why are they not represented in our government uh, mm -hmm. I, I think we need to recognize that a lot of people are disenchanted with the two party system so right, right. yeah. So is the, the, the no labels idea, is that an alternative or are there other options? I would say it is an experiment. Uh, it, it, it is nonpartisan. And so it's kind of sidestep. I think the two party model is not working for a lot of people right now. So no labels is stepping in aside and saying, let's go over here. Let's Put aside the D's and the R's and let's just talk about the issues and let's establish what's important and how people feel about the direction our county, our state, our country are going. Um, That's a to a certain degree because either you're you're, you're pro-abortion or you're or or anti-abortion. Uh, well, then there's you know then there are people that are pro-choice for uh, and. Um, uh, uh, but then you have uh, certain issues that can be divisive, uh, such as um, uh, to the degree, to a certain degree, what Moms for Liberty uh, uh, are, are continuing to do across the country. Uh, but then you have other uh, issues such as more government spending, less government spending, you know, um, more taxes, less taxes, how, you know, policymaking, all of that. Um, I can't necessarily be established in a no labels, nonpartisan entity, if you will. No. And, and, and that, that, that question, that discussion gets at the core of what, what I'm, excited about what I'm, what I'm passionate about. And that is how do we, how do you work together when you are so divided on issues? Mm -hmm. Right. Think, exactly right. Yes. I think the first thing you have to do is you have to stop thinking in terms of good and evil as we're prone to do. Conservatism and liberalism are both forces for good. Uh, liberalism, which I'll actually, I'll call it 
progressivism, because to me, liberalism is just the belief that we're all created equal and we all have the same rights to live free and happy. Progressivism is the impulse to make changes to try to get to that liberal ideal. And conservatism is the impulse to say, slow down, let's talk about the change. And I think about a dry erase board in a meeting room. The conservative is the one that hangs that board and says, I want to see everything drawn out. I want it to make sense. I want to vet it. I want to ask questions. And the liberal is the one who grabs or the progressive is the one who grabs the, the marker and starts marking it up and saying, we can change this. We can change this. And both of those forces are critical uh, because change is life and it has to happen. But change introduces risk. And so we need to be careful with it. And if you balance those two forces, even though they're fighting, even though they're squabbling, if you can find a way to balance and compromise, that's how our government is supposed to work. So I guess, you know, uh, one thought or question that um, uh, is of concern, and oftentimes people study the history of the Republican Party, the party, and and see the beginning as the, the party of Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, can there be a return to the uh, being the party of Lincoln? I sure hope so. <laughs> As I said, I think optimistic. have strayed. I am optimistic, though. Um, I, I think you have to be uh, in order to succeed. And But my optimism isn't rooted in the party. It's rooted in our system of government, which says no matter who wins or loses, we are going to put checks and balances on their power. And part of that check and balance is having the two parties. As long as we understand that, as long as we place those checks and balances and stop things from happening too fast and too crazy, I think we'll be all right. Political parties can come and go. Uh, The Democrats can come and go. I don't think they're going anywhere soon, but I'm worried about the Republicans. But I think even if a third party takes their place, we as a nation, we as a state, and, and, and we in Howard County will be all right. Well, you know, you've said a lot. And uh, tell us a little bit about your blog page and how people can find you. Okay, so yeah, my blog page is on stephenhwilson.com. I have updated it as, as much as daily and as little as four times a year. <laughs> it all depends on what strikes me. Um, I, I do uh, book reviews. Uh, I, I talk about religion. Uh, I'm a science fiction and comics fan. I talk about my family history and my experience. It's a little bit of everything that's going on over there. Marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. I am so glad that you stopped by our studios today and became a part of being well in the podcast. Thank you.